All right, this is it. This is episode 316 of No Laugh Track Podcast. I'm Justin Severson, the host. I am so happy to be back here. Uh, they think in as far as times of day, this is the earliest I've recorded a podcast <laughs> at 10 a.m. on a Friday morning. But really, that's not that early, and I'm happy to be here with Dana Gould. How are you? Well, this is seven for me, but... Oh. Which means I'm I've 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 been up and I've been up for an hour. <laughs> I don't unfortunately I don't get to keep comedian hours anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know I just uh, I spent last weekend in Las Vegas uh-huh. and then came back on Monday. I'm still with the two hour difference and the partying. I'm yeah. What still you not Ve- right. Yeah, Vegas is disconcerting. Vegas is <laughs> Vegas is really pernicious in the sense that also there's no longer a sense of geography to where you are like you never know if you're indoors or outdoors or where you are indoors or what time it is what time it is that's intentional but it, <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah i guess yeah i guess it's all intentional like you never there's no like i don't where am i it's like the it's like a, the the jetsons town during an earthquake it's uh it's my wife and i put uh, walked 40 miles in four a little over four days yeah i believe it going to and a lot of that is just backtracking because you're lost. Yeah, you're lost, and you're like, "Where are we? Do we? Yeah, have we been here before?" It was again. It's all intentional. It's the same reason they put milk in the back of the grocery store, and so you have to walk well, past everything else to get the thing that you absolutely have to. Yeah, have. yeah, you're absolutely right. Since it, since we already brought it up, have you, what's your history of performing in Vegas? Not much at all. No. Um, yeah, I can count the times I performed in Vegas on less than one hand. I'm not a Vegas act, and uh, the first time I, I got banned. From the Riviera Hotel by uh, Steve Sharippa, who later went on to be in The Sopranos. Of course. He managed the improv at the Riviera Hotel, and I performed there in 87 and uh, hated it. Uh, it was just like, you know, it's like three shows, a, three 20-minute shows a night. It was, it was just like this real machine. Yeah. And I, it's like, in retrospect, I was clearly wrong and they were you know this is how we do it and, uh-huh. but i was you know 23 and punky sure and uh so for the last show i went on stage with my underwear on the outside of my pants <laughs> but i never noted it I just just did it just did it yeah as i was just a jerk <laughs> okay just, and he you're banned you're banned from the riviera hotel I was like, yes, no, that was the point of this. That was the intention. We're, Thank you. You noticed. Yeah, we're in full agreement, Steve. Yeah. But he really wanted to be, so he really wanted to be like a mafia guy. Like he he really loved that role of like oh, running the club. Uh huh. Like he was the man. Yeah, and I think I don't know I am assuming he got the role in Sopranos because somebody's like, This guy is this guy. Uh-huh. Gotta, yeah. He's already trying. Let's have him do it on screen. Yeah, he was already the real deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Uh, my wife and I went and saw did go see comedy while in Vegas. What'd you see? George Wallace. Oh yeah, George is great. Yeah, yeah. George is great. Yeah, the whole world is sick. I don't know if he's still doing that. Still wearing the kangaroo hat, the the beret. Dana, not only does he still wear one, he sells uh, merch after the show. You can buy a uh, George Wallace. You can buy George Wallace hat. Yeah, just like God his. bless him. Uh huh. God bless him. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't be a nicer guy. Yeah, I mean, I assumed you must have some history with him. Yeah, I worked with George. Yeah, he's yeah. a great guy. He's a, he's a super nice guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish him I wish him every happiness. And yeah, Carol Siskind is in Vegas now. Okay, uh, she has a residence. A lot of those old like one of the reasons that I well I do other stuff. I'm also a writer. And, oh yeah, and uh, I, because stand up 
in and of itself leads to more stand-up. But, um, and I love it that much, but I don't love travel. I also have kids and family, and I'm a very homebody kind of guy, so Mm -hmm. I don't... uh, uh, I, I don't want to be traveling incessantly in my dotage. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I also really one of the reasons that uh, I really when I sort of I I, I kind of stepped away from stand up right as I was about to break. Uh, you know, that uh, makes sense. Yeah, I, I was. You know, I was. You know the, the stand-up boom of the '90s was was waning, and uh, I was one of the bigger na- bigger names of it. And uh, I had just got married, and or was just about to get married, and I just bought a big house with my wife who had a big job. And that's when I got offered The Simpsons, and I really was like, "Yeah, I love that idea of I'm going to have a regular job." I get up in the morning, have coffee with my wife, mm-hmm. get in my car, drive to an office. I have an office and a parking space yeah. and go home at night and we'll have dinner and watch TV together. And uh, and I really and, and then and so that's what I did. And I really loved it. Mm-hmm. I, I really loved it for a long, long time. It was the first time I'd ever had like a normal life. And while I was doing that, um the the people that came un, the people that were middling for me at that point Patton and Zach and Maria and, and people that were like features where I was headlining started doing the comedians of comedy and started and and I was like oh yeah. and then they justifiably exploded as well they should and that left me like and suddenly I was like wait a minute I don't do that I do that why am I over here doing this this isn't the right thing and it was very confusing and very it was very frustrating for me nothing against them but to feel like oh man they caught the big wave yeah you you took your board in before the wave hit yeah no kidding yeah Yeah. you got off the on the wrong stop it kept going that's exactly right that's exactly right but I can't but 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 um and I kicked myself for a long time Mm -hmm. um and finally when I left the Simpsons it was like I was really I had to reestablish myself as a comedian sure but um in the retrospect in the, in the long run it was actually the right thing uh, because n- n- now uh i i'm a better writer than an actor i have a better career as a writer i, I enjoy writing more i yeah. like to act but i I'm a, and my my career is pretty perfect right now so i, I get to do both and I and 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 writing is a is a funner. I find writing a really fun job. Yeah, yeah. How um, uh, so? This is now you're back on tour after the summer of working. Yeah, your tail I did, off. yeah, I, yeah. And, and putting the show, I have like a little year end cleanup, mm-hmm. and then 2019 right now is completely open. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I have, I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen. But it could fill up very. <clears throat> oh no, fast. it will. It will. It will right? fill up. Yeah, I, I believe me. I, I have I have enough work to do today, writing wise. I could. I will not finish. Sure. If I and I'm and that's not taking time out to have lunch and screw around. <laughs> um, uh, I um, but in terms of like a I don't you know Stand Against Evil is on right now. I don't know if it's getting picked up for a fourth season. Uh, and I have three or four. I'm writing another graphic novel, but that's you know lunch money. Sure. Uh, 
And uh, I'm so I'm either going to develop another show, which I'm working on four or five things. Uh, uh, you know, there's, there's like shows, there's a couple of movies, there's, uh, 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 you know, whatever is going to happen. Or I'll, get, or I'll get on staff of another show. I, I don't, right now, I don't know. But fortunately, I have options because I diversified yeah. earlier in my life. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not like, well, I can go to Vegas and do a residency in Vegas. Uh, and not live with my children, <laughs> or I could just schlep out on the road every weekend, and and uh, and that's not a rewarding life. I really admired my hero in stand up was George Carlin, and he he was like, "This is what I do. I go out on the road." But also, people forget, you know, he had like four or five careers. You know, he was he was the straight. He was in a team with Jack Burns in the early '60s. Then he was a very successful mainstream comedian yeah. in the '60s. Yeah. Then he exploded in the early 70s with the counterculture when he sort of evolved as a person. It's changed from the hippy-dippy. Well, yeah, and became like the real, like a dangerous social commentator. Yeah. 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 A class clown, occupation fool era. Right, right. And, and then at the la- in the late 70s and, 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 th- and through the 80s, he was kind of a has-been. He was like, he would host The Tonight Show and he was... And he was George Carlin, but he wasn't really saying anything, and he wasn't really. And he, this is all he says this in his mm-hmm. autobiography. Um, and it wasn't until the the late, uh, the early nineties, he got a second wind. And what happened with him was Sam Kinison scared him. <laughs> Sam Kinison was like, "Oh, this guy's doing what I used to do," and he's really good at it oh, yeah. and that if you look at Carlin's late 80s special what am I doing in New Jersey okay. he's doing Sam Kennison interesting and that inspired him to sort of get his anger back okay and then he did what am I and then he did jamming in New York which was the whole thing about the planet is fine and 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 it was really an, an, a, a a meta of evolution of his stand-up style it's really amazing it, it, it's amazing to watch and that was really him gelling into this the new version of what he was the sort of older social commentator mm-hmm. and he followed that up with back in town which is also brilliant and then at the at just the beginning of this sort of renaissance he took two years off and did the George Carlin show the sitcom <laughs> because like me he's like oh I can just get up every morning and yeah. go to an office and work they want uh, me to do this yeah, yeah I'll exactly. do it yeah exactly you know and he said yeah I still wanted to be a TV star so he you know he did that on Fox for a couple of years yeah, yeah. and then went back to, to stand up so it's, 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 it's not dissimilar uh, Josh Weinstein, who I mentioned to you briefly before we started recording, uh, you know, he was a comedian started starting sure, at like yeah, 15. Yeah, yeah probably. Went, right, yeah. And then went and did television for a little while. Yeah, did MST. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, wrote for other shows. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now he's back. And fine, like now he's comfortable doing headlining by himself. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Josh is a great. Yeah, I started at seventeen, so I have a lot of sympathy for for that. It's, <laughs> it's hard to do stand up. It's hard to do stand up when you don't know who you are. You know, uh, because, I can't even imagine because stand up is so it's it's such an expression of self. Uh, it's a self expression, you know, and and um, 
when you're a kid, you, you, you literally don't know who you are. You're literally trying on personalities like a hat. And uh, it's, it's terribly difficult. I used to do jokes like, you know, I, because I started so young and I had enough stagecraft that I moved along pretty quickly through the ranks. Um, the, you know, I, I would, like I meet people that I knew before that met me in my before I was 30. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. Really? Uh, you know, oh, yeah. I was just a lot of a lot of volume, a lot of a lot of yeah, everything horrible that you imagine. Well, I mean, be. aren't a, a lot of people owe apologies from that ages sure, of their I life? I think everybody, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Like you, you don't want to be somebody that really has it down when mm-hmm. you're 23. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> There's something to be said for that. Yeah, too, I tell yeah. that to my daughter. It's all right. Your 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 super cool friends that have it all together, they're they're not ending in a good place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. People who peak in the high school are are usually sad adults. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> I tell my daughters that lesson as well. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it, if they're catching on or not. Um, <laughs> again, tr- thank I, again, like you know, I uh, the, the things things I owe my ex-wife, <laughs> and, I, and I tell her this all the time. We have a, we don't have an animosity relationship. Uh, you know, thank God I had kids. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's just like that. So tethered me to the ground. Yeah, like I, I again. You know, the idea of being my age with no kids, just on the road. Yeah. It just was just like, I shudder. At uh-huh. that. Like, just like, it, it's. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine. I have two daughters. Yeah. With a with my ex-wife. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. I get it. Yeah. I can't it imagine. It just keeps you, it, it, ironically, it keeps you young. Mm-hmm. It ages you and keeps you young at the same time. Yeah, yeah, but it, it keeps you tethered to the world and it keeps you out of your head. Like I don't think that people are supposed to spend that much time thinking about themselves. Certainly at that age. I mean, no, yeah, probably not. It's like I used to think Steve Martin wrote a book about his paintings okay. called "An Object of Great Beauty" or "An Object of Beauty," and it was just a book about his art collection and. It was just like it was the most eye roll. It was in the eye rolling section of your bookstore, <laughs> and then he had a kid, and shut up. Ah! <laughs> it's like, see, now you get it. There's perspective. Now you get it. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. That was always the yeah, and, and it's like it's like no, you want, it was like oh, you want an object of beauty? Here's a real object of beauty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the weirder things, you know, I think like, like a lot of comedians. Like, a lot of kids growing up that weren't tough. You know, I had a really tough older brothers. I have four older brothers, and they're all athletes and cops, yeah. and they're real men. And I'm not. And, I mean, I'm a man, but I'm, like, not a macho dude. Right, right. <laughs> and I'm not, a, I'm not an alpha dude. And, you know, you, I grew up, like, you, like you identify with Woody Allen. Like, in his early Woody Allen movies, it's like he was this nerdy guy that would, you know, have to squirm out of fights. Oh, yeah. And stuff like that. Like, yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. I relate to him. Yeah. Trouble with girls. Yeah. All that, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. I related to that part. Yeah. And then it, that's why it was so disappointing when he turned out to be such a weird creepo dude. Very disappointing. Yeah, very disappointing. Yeah. And But one of the things that's the most... Weird about this is Manhattan, which in retrospect now is super creepy because he's a forty-year-old guy dating an eighteen-year-old girl. Which yeah. At the, and again, this was only nineteen seventy-nine. People were like, eh. and now it's like, ah, mm-hmm. <laughs> even uh, even if it's not him, even if it's 
even if it wasn't Woody Allen, like anybody now doing that movie is like, no, you can't do that. Right, 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 right. You can't do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the other thing in that movie that's so creepy is he lay, he's lying on the couch talking to a tape recorder and he's listing all the things that make his life great. And he's it's this pompous bullshit, like those pears by Cezanne, you know, just this awful faux intellectual he's reading shit. oprah's favorite things yeah, just, uh, 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 faux intellectual baloney uh-huh. uh and his character has a kid but he never mentions the kid uh you know it's uh-huh. like yeah wrong yeah wrong uh-huh. and the other great example of that is close encounters of the third kind clearly written by a guy who didn't have kids because richard dreyfus has two kids and at the end of the movie he just fucks off to outer space <laughs> <laughs> see you guys later Good luck with college, kids. Uh-huh. No, it's like, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> you know, it's like, nope, wrong, yeah. wrong. Yeah. There's a uh, coffee can with some money in it I yeah, buried exactly. in the backyard. Yeah. You're going to have to get a job. Get a good job because your mom can't work. Yeah, it's like such a terrible. You watch it now, you're like, where's he going? <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. See you later, suckers. <laughs> Yeah, I it's also that. hard. How old are your daughters? Uh, Ten and twelve. Okay, you're good. My mine are uh, uh, nine, fourteen, and sixteen. Okay, and this, the older ones have broken up with me, and it's awful. I feel like my twelve year old, she has a step out. Yeah, it's of that. It's, yeah, it's terrible. <sighs> yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, but my I, my oldest daughter is like, uh, uh, she's really genuinely funny. I, and I gave her, she wrote a satirical paper for school. It was her version of Jonathan Swift's A Modest Proposal, okay. which is a satirical pamphlet that Jonathan Swift wrote in, uh, about uh, how to solve the uh, hunger problem in I- Ireland, which was to feed the babies of the poor to the rich. And it was a satir- <laughs> and she's studying satire. Sure, and, sure. And, and so uh, she came up with a really, really, really funny, great idea for her satirical paper that everything in life... It would be uh, decided by standardized testing. Oh, because it works so good in it works so good in school that they should do it for for everything in life. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm going to read you one of the things that she wrote because you 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 do get uh, you, you, one of the things you get as they get older is uh, they get funny and, and they're like weird little adults I'm looking through a paper and I, I can't find it well as you're looking there I will uh, standardized tests are fresh in my mind because I just was looking over results of those with uh, my 10 year old yesterday because we had school conferences this week no so as do I I have yeah. one Tuesday yeah Tuesday and Thursday um, uh-huh. yeah well she said there's one thing she said like you know um, uh, uh, it was like standardized testing will will direct people into their career um, and it's like you know uh, uh you know, forty percent of uh, college students go into pre med, but we only need seven percent of them to be doctors. Whereas, only six percent of people go to clown college, but the demand is seven times that much. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the the demand for clowns really made me laugh. And like, and I'm giving her notes. I'm like, that's a great joke. Yeah, change this wording on this sentence. This isn't grammatically correct. I don't. I don't give her like. I let her write her own joke. Sure, sure, yeah, because that's important. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But but it was just like, oh my god, no, that's a really funny joke that's like a professional joke that's i would write awesome. i would write that joke that's yeah. a great joke yeah so that's really funny and, and she said uh she said uh hey i need a i need a slogan for diamonds 
And it's, it's like, well, diamonds are a girl's best friend is the slogan. She goes, no, no, I, I need to make up my own. And I made up one. And she was like, <laughs> what else do you got? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, what else do you have? And she, hers was great. Hers was uh, diamonds, America's over, America's favorite overpriced hunk of coal. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, that's a great that's joke. That's accurate. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> that's joke. That's very accurate. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, uh, so you get that. You get to it. You, you enjoy them in a different way. But yeah. and, and everyone says, you know. Take a lot of video. Matt Groening told me when I had my first, when I had my oldest daughter, she's a baby. Take a lot of video. It goes by really quick. I can't watch that. Video. I, was, I was like, if you I don't say that, that, I'm going to. Yeah, I, 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 I'll I can't tear up. Yeah, I can't watch this. I can't. I'm either. glad I have it. Me too. But I can't look at it. I'm so glad you said yeah, that. I can't either. It's painful. No, my my kids told me that they've put some of the old videos in at their mom's house and yeah. watch them. I'm like, I'm glad you do it over there. I can't. Yeah, that you can look at. They can look at themselves. Yeah, but I don't want to look at it. No, it's the same reason I get a weird. I love this and it's beautiful, but I get an also a tinge of sadness. I guess it's bittersweet. I guess is the is um. The uh, it's the great pumpkin. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I grew up in Massachusetts, but it looked. I mean, it looks the great pumpkin looks like it took place here or in my hometown. Yeah. It, it's a. It has a very like American look to it. Oh yeah. And there's something about those watercolored skies and the, and the piano music. The, it, it's so evocative of my childhood that when I see it, I'm like, oh, you know, it's like seeing a video of a dead person. You know, it's like, no, that's gone. Yeah. Hey, here's this thing that's gone. <laughs> Rub your face in this thing that's gone. Right. Yeah. Did you get enough? Oh, it's you didn't? Sort of like, it, it, it's really, it's like a... Um, it's like a lap dance of memory. Get all up in this thing you can't have. <laughs> Yeah, get it. Like I always want to lap dance. Like I know, like I'm of of all the of all the many of all the many 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 problems I have had. One hundred percent of them self inflicted. Okay, I've never had a stripper problem. Yeah, yeah, no. Nope. I, I know many. I know many a fella who's had a stripper problem. Uh-huh. To me, it was always like. Looking at photos of women I can't have isn't frustrating enough. Right. It's sort of like I'm on a diet, so I'm just going to put some cheesecake in my mouth for a while, and then I'll spit it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. It's like, no, I'd rather just not be around cheesecake. Right. Much like good food. Oddly, f- I chose cheesecake. <laughs> good food smells good. Yeah. Strippers usually smell really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it smells, it smells like sadness. <laughs> no yeah. doubt. I also have a very, because I, I have a... Weird. Uh, I feel like I'm benefiting from someone's bad parenting. <laughs> I yeah, like, I th- I, it's very bad. Yeah, there's that um, too. Very, yeah, and I I understand sex positivity and 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 sex workers' rights and everything, but I I, I still have a uh, maybe it's an old, maybe it's a, a vestige of my generation, but it's just like uh, if you're stripping, I think something went wrong. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> And it probably did. Yeah. There's a very good chance. Yeah. When you go out on the road... I don't believe in, like, I could be a doctor or a stripper. They're both the same. Mm, <laughs> I don't think so. That's my opinion. We can have one be the fallback. <laughs> you decide which one. Yeah. yeah. One is the fall down. <laughs> yes. When you... Uh, I suppose you don't do it anymore. Going out on the road, do the, do the kids expect uh, souvenirs from uh, the road? Yeah, they, I just like... I was like, no, I'm not doing it. It's just like, I'm not going to bring you a present every time I leave the house. No. Yeah. So you gave but that you up? bring them from Vegas. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Little one-armed bandits. Yeah. Um, 
you know, a T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, they. Mm. My, you know, my my children are very, very fortunate. My their mom has a crazy giant job and and does really well. And you know, they go to really good schools. And they, you know, they don't. It's interesting. My children are adopted. They're from China, and they were Mm. all abandoned at birth by their birth parents because of the situations in China. Right. And they, I mean, you talk about. Like, I know three people that won the lottery. I know three people that won the mega jackpot. It's like, not only were you born, abandoned at birth in the asshole of the world, which is like rural China. Okay. Where you have, where you, you know, you know, your future was, if you survived it, no, no education, no health care, folding napkins in a windowless building, you know, <laughs> it's just, and that's a good option. Yeah. That's a good option. Yeah. To that, you live in L.A., you go to a private school, you have extensive orthodontia. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you literally like you, 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 you got into the the the, the point oh 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 one percent of the of the globe. You know, it's like, you, wow. know, you, you know, you're in you're in America, you're in L.A., you're an upper middle class. You know, it's like it was. It is like you you have no idea. And you hang it over their heads constantly, right? <laughs> constantly. Yeah, no, you can't. And they don't, you know, it's like they and like my yeah, my middle daughter's this is the worst day of my life. Mm-hmm. Because mm. you have to wait to get an iPhone, whatever. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. Oh, you yeah. just have to use your other iPhone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Where are my skis? <sighs> no, the red ones, not the blue ones. I know it's awful. <laughs> are you all- are you, you can't aware? Hang that over there. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Are you aware of? Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna assume that they uh, are into YouTube. Are yeah, you, that's all they watch. Are you aware of the what they watch on YouTube? No, I'm terrified to know what they. I do know a, a couple things. Like my my old again. My oldest daughter is a lot like me, so I get it. You know, she watches like she knows every episode of Futurama. Okay. You know, like she's and Bob's Burgers, and she she got me into Rick and Morty. Cool. You know, and I know Dan. I mean, like, <laughs> my friends work on the show. But yeah, yeah. I'm busy. She got me into Rick and Morty. Um, uh, um, so, but she watches it on her laptop. She rarely, if ever, sits down and watches conventional television. Yeah. My kids never do. Yeah. And there's a guy named Jason Nash okay. who's a stand-up uh, my age, uh, my generation kind of. And he now is a YouTuber. He's our age, but he lives in like this house with a bunch of twenty-year-old dudes, and is on YouTube all the time. Uh huh. And he happened to be in, and I know I like Jason. Jason's a really nice guy. And he was in the group that we went trick or treating with this year. Just my youngest went trick or treating again. One of the punches in the heart. I know. Yeah. Uh huh. It was like walking around with Elvis. Like every kid between like thirteen and seventeen, Jason Nash, Jason Nash, Jason Nash, Jason Nash, Jason. My oldest, uh, my daughters couldn't believe I was trick or treating with Jason Nash. Okay, I'm gonna write this down and see if my kids know who yeah. that is. Yeah, Jason it was, Nash. Yeah, and it was really amazing because was, of, because and I I'm don't. Like, how do you? Mo- yeah, no. And I was talking like I've known him for like twenty years. I was like, how do you monetize this? And it's <laughs> oh, he does. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Ford gave him a truck. I was like, here, talk about it. here's a truck. And, uh, you know, just mention it occasionally because he's a tastemaker. Okay. Yeah. We went out two weekends ago to the Mall of America. Sure. Brought my daughters out to try to catch a glimpse of a YouTube star that was at a new uh, makeup store opening. 
it was a Saturday morning. We got there. There were thousands of young girls there waiting for this guy. Uh, they had been camping outside since the night before to get good spots to you meet had him. no idea who this person was? No idea. Yeah. No, I'm going to remember his name. James Charles. Yeah. And the only reason I remember his name is because it's the first names of the two characters from Better Call Saul. Oh, that's Jim, hilarious. Jim, Jimmy and Chuck. <laughs> ja- James that's Char- true. Yeah, James that's Charles. True. So, uh, wow. He's a 19-year-old uh, like cover girl model. He does makeup videos. Oh, I know who he is. I know who he is. You do? Yeah, I do know who and he is. And he's, hey, yeah. sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Screaming to see this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Screaming. Bla- uh, black hair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's very beautiful. He's very beautiful. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's like, eh. uh-huh. He's a, he's, a, he's a gorgeous guy. And clearly very successful right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And two weeks yeah. ago, I had no idea who he was. Yeah, and sadly, in two weeks, they just move on. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, but no, he yeah he does makeup tutorials. Okay, so you've seen yeah, him. Yeah, my, uh, my daughter knows. My nine-year-old likes him a lot. Yeah, uh-huh. He does makeup tutorials. Yeah, you know, my, my nine-year-old's... F- it's just, I work, you know, like I worked on The Simpsons and I work really hard to come up with clever ideas and, and, and stand against evil. You know, I, I work really hard to keep the stories clever and to keep them, to keep it, it, it interesting and I don't like to repeat myself and I work really, and, and, and I will never write anything. If you told me that what really is going to galvanize people is watching other people bake cakes Right. Like, like, my nine-year-old's favorite show is this British what is cake baking show. So is my 10-year-old, yeah, Dana. they're in this weird tent somewhere in Sussex. And yes. they're making, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's, they're just, and I feel, I feel like Jack Webb complaining about hippies. But like, right, I, right? I, I love cake and I'm glad people make them. <laughs> you know, but I'm just like, what is the, what? and then you sit down and go, this is baloney. Why are you watching it? And right. then you watch it for seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's no way that they knew their demographic was going to be nine and ten year old yeah, girls I, I when they made that show. Yeah, I don't there's get no it. No way. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't understand it. I can't do it. I don't. <laughs> you know, our, and our friend, like you know, our our family friend. Created Project Greenlight and Project Runway. I mean, like he's he's got more money than he'll ever spend. And I was just like, better you. I couldn't come up with that. Yeah, no. You know, I don't get it. It it is amazing what what uh, people connect to. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely amazing. Let's talk about the comedy you're doing right now. You did a show last night here. I did. Yeah, how did it go? Two tonight. It was great. It was great. It was very. You know, I'm at a. um, I did my album last year, Mr. Funny Man. Yeah. And here's my only complaint about Mr. Funny Man. Uh, there's no album. It's all digital. Yeah, it's all, there's no talking about that. physical manifestation of it, which is kind of like eye rolly. Um, and uh, but uh, a year ago, you talked about it, maybe an album, like a yeah. Physical I'm gonna, album but the problem, version. yeah. The, here's the issue with it: it's an hour, so it's two albums. Oh yeah, yeah because of the length of LPs. And yeah, I'm, I'm like that's not. It, it's you know, if I had five grand that I just wanted to throw in the toilet, I could do a double album. Okay. It's not really. It's like get get with it, get with it. It'll always be out there. Um, but I'm very proud of it. And so, like, the, then the the mission is to write a new hour. And I'm about I'm a little over halfway there. Okay. So that's exciting. And uh, you know what I do to keep my show exciting is I I'll take um, the the new stuff and then I'll take some uh, o- older stuff and repurpose it so the whole show is fresh and it's different versions of things. Uh, and, and I'm happy about that. And and I really feel like in the past, you know, I don't I, I don't really write stand up when I'm not doing stand up. I, I write on stage. I get the ideas on stage. There's okay. something. There's an alchemy that happens 
ideas come to me in the moment and it's not as I'm not like I can sit down and write stand up at a desk um, I come up with ideas that I can farm on stage, but it's really on stages where the creativity happens. I don't know why, but that's the way it is. Do you record it while you're every night? I you? record it and I never listen to it. <laughs> uh, I never ever listen to it. Well, don't um, stop. Yeah, I just remember, I just get off stage and I write it down. Okay. Um, and it's it's beautiful the way like you'll you'll put some you'll come up with a bit and. You'll think it'll go here in the running order. And then during the show, you'll go, oh, no, it goes here. This is better. I'll put it here. Um, and it f- has an organic flow. And so I have a nice – I have a lot of new stuff that's came because I'm, I'm performing every weekend now. I'm out, I'm out this weekend and then uh, next weekend is Thanksgiving. And then I do Philadelphia, Madison, Wisconsin, and San Francisco to end out the year. Nice. So I'm, you know, I'm up a lot and writing a lot. And there's and, and and that's really great. So the shows are exciting to me. I'm really excited to go on stage, and and do new stuff. It was so you know it's like nothing makes a comedian happier than a new bit that's working. Right. So like oh great I get to do those new bits. That's great. And and uh, but what what I do find the challenge now is in 2018. You know the the. the the pol- the political rift is is really pronounced. Oh yeah, and 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 oddly, uh, uh, you know, for years it was the the conservatives would call the liberals snowflakes. Right, that they were weak, that they were sissies. They uh-huh. couldn't take it. They t- couldn't take criticism. Whatever snowflake. Yeah. Right. Conservatives are the biggest snowflakes because they. If you do a joke about Trump, they have to leave. Um, and you My know, goodness. Uh, they are it. You you know, it's it's an act. If you make a joke about the president, they are deeply, sincerely offended, and nine times out of ten, they have to get up and leave. You know, whereas like I voted for Bill Clinton, I also had a thousand jokes about Bill Clinton. Yeah, you know, it's like I can laugh at it, but uh-huh. you know, so in in the in the true sense that you know the thing you hate about other people is the thing you hate about yourself. Um, uh, the, that that is what I found true. So I, I really have to be careful because I do believe that if you pay to come in, uh, you should enjoy the show, and that you know I'm not I'm not going to just. Uh, Shoot you in the face, right? Um, but you haven't so, made a decision to just completely ignore. Politics no, I don't. Or, I don't no? completely ignore it, but I do frame it carefully. Uh, I do frame it carefully, and I don't use his name a lot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In fact, I say it once. Okay. Because it's that you don't have to say it. It's it's sort of like talking about Godzilla in the middle of his attack. Like, no, we all know. We all know. <laughs> yeah. Which one? <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, I, but yeah, I read something. Different. Did you get something thrown at you from? Oh yeah, I made a mild Trump joke in Portland. A guy threw a beer at me. Yeah, no, they can't take it. Like it's like they they go insane. Jesus, he tapped into a terrible thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, you know, and it won't end well. Uh, it's not going to end well for him, and it's not going to end well for them or us. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, and you can tell. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah, it's like living in the seventies. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's like living in the early seventies. The the social upheaval that we're going through now, the rapid change. Okay, and, you know, and I, and I get it. Like we're in in California in two years, um, under eighteen, uh, whites will be the minority. Under eighteen. Okay. Uh, 
I get that white people aren't going to let go of their majority status <laughs> with uh-huh. ease. Yeah. You know, and there's a great quote that I read that uh, was, uh, when you're used to privilege, equality feels like oppression. And uh, and then that's wow. what we're going through now. Yeah. Wow. Like people don't, you know, and, 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 and that's the, the root of all of that angry white male well, I hear black people using the N-word. Why can't I use it? Because they're black. Because they took that word back from you. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Because it's not fair. Because you know, that's if, the way the world works. Uh, l- let me say about uh, just like a few weeks ago, that whole blackface thing. I was talking to another white person about that. And yeah. he was like, I, I, you don't, he goes, do you care about that? I don't care. I said, you know what? I said, I'm not a black person. Yeah. But if I hear point. one black person say that they're not okay with it, yeah. then I don't think it's okay. Yeah. It's not my choice. It's not my decision. Right. You know, it's not my decision. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that, and that's the thing is that, yeah, yeah, it's not your decision. Mm-hmm. It's it's like, you. it's not equal. It's no. not equal. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why. How come they get to do it and I can't? Because it's not equal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, people don't want to hear that. Right. I get it. I, I get it. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. You know, uh-huh. it's like I you know, I face it in work. You know, it's like people are not lining up to hire white males. They're not. But I get it. Yeah, we had a century. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> we had a century. Yeah, it'll come back. Yeah. Right. right. It's not fair. Now you know how they felt. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're all still doing okay. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. We're eking out a living. Did you go? Can you please tell me? The listeners, a little bit about a seance. I did go to a seance. I saw someone else tweet about that in, in, with your name. And then this morning I saw you posting something on uh, Instagram. Who was the other person? Blaine? Yeah. 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 That's so funny. Mm-hmm. So can um, you share something about that? Sure. Um, well, Blaine is, uh, Blaine is uh, married to uh, a, a woman. Uh, and my girlfriend is that woman's twin sister. So we, we are... Uh, we're... We, Wait a minute. That's yeah. the okay. Go on. Yeah, you yeah. Just everything just connected in my yeah. head. So we go out together a lot, um, uh, and who I've known for twenty five. That's a beautiful thing about my current personal life is that, that my I hate girlfriend because she's an ad- adult woman. Right, right. Who owns her own home. She's <laughs> not a girl. She's a woman. She's crashing at your pad, bro. Yeah, but woman friend sounds like a nurse. Yeah. Um, that lives with you. Uh, my adult female social companion and uh, and I. Uh, yeah, it's uh, our, our, she's uh, from my social group and. Uh, um, I've known her for for decades, and we were always in other relationships. And suddenly, we were both single, and we we should go on a date. And yeah, it worked. It's great. I'm really love it. And uh, so we go out a lot, and and we're, I'm also very good friends with um, Bobcat Goldthwaite and his adult female social companion. Is friends with my adult female <laughs> social companion, and uh, so there's this guy, uh, Rob Zabrecki. Rob was the lead singer of Possum Dixon. Okay. And like a lot, what I didn't know, like a lot of alt rockers from the 90s, when that, when the band ended, became a magician. Oh. And there's a, a lot of them. Okay. Uh, the, the drummer for the Pixies was, uh, uh, Dave was also a magician until the Pixies reformed. Uh, and, uh, they, and they all work at this place called the Magic Castle. Yeah, yeah. Which is a very famous place in oh, LA. Yeah. The Magic Castle for years has done a seance. That is the Houdini seance, which is like the 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 the, the it, it's actually based on Houdini's wife. That uh, Houdini and his Houdini 
the seances were very big during the, the heyday of Houdini, but they were all charlatans, obviously. It was all a, a trick. There's, right. There is a script to how it is done. And Houdini hated it. And it was like, he would go and say, like, you'd, he would go to these seances in disguise and then go, you did this, you did this, this is how you did this, this is how you did this. Because they would fleece people for money. They would go and, like, I can, I can get you in touch with your, your mother. And they would fleece people for money. And Houdini, oddly, you know, was a very moral person, was outraged by that. He wow. was like the amazing Randy of his day. <laughs> um, he was an illusionist. And... But he died on Halloween, and his wife and he had a did that he she would have a seance uh, every once a year for ten years to see if there was anything on the other side to contact him. And and, the, and the, at the Magic Castle they do this seance every uh, you know occasionally, and it's a very like the Magic Castle. You need to be a member, or you need to be invited. Uh, there's a dress code. Like it's it's a real old time thing. Like you, wow, if you, if you show up without a tie. Go find a tie or you're not getting in. Cool. Yeah, no, it's really fascinating. I like and I would never go there as, as I was like never like a part of it, but I got in because of uh, Barbara. And so Rob said, like, we're, we're closing down the Houdini seance and we're going to they're going to retro redesign the room and change the script. So this is the last time to do this seance that they've been doing there since the 60s. So like oh, this wow. is exactly what they did. If you went to the Magic Castle in 1966, yeah. to the Houdini seance, it was exactly what we're doing tonight. So that, to me, was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, so we went, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a Wednesday night at 11, which is, like, late for me because I'm up at 6. Sure. Uh, but it's like, that's what we're doing. It's like, okay, so, you know— uh, I went, put my kids to bed, <laughs> put on a suit, went out, and and went to the seance. It was really terrific. And, and Rob Zabrecki, if you get a chance to ever see him, uh, he's amazing. He's he's really uh, amazingly skilled, uh, and, and but also really funny, genuinely okay. funny. And has like sort of a Norman Batesy kind of persona. So it's kind of quote hip unquote yeah. how many people okay. show up to see you uh, well the seance is about like t- uh, 10 people oh. around a big table oh that's it okay. yeah no it's like it's a really yeah it was uh, very... 10 people around a table wow yeah it was really fun it was really fun yeah Bl- and Blaine is one of the funniest people on God's earth he has my favorite tweet of all time which is uh, when my wife sees our new toilet she's gonna shit <laughs> 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 which is <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, okay, we can stop. We can end Twitter now. <laughs> we, we Maybe we should. Yeah, that was, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah. There's a funny thing. I tweeted something the other night that uh, got more, it got 8,000 l- likes. Okay. Which is eight times more than the most likes. It was I've the one got. promoting the show here at Acme? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was weird. I, I was live tweeting Stand Against Evil. Which I do as part of the promotion for the show. Yeah. It was on Wednesday nights when it was done. I got dressed and went to a seance. Uh, and there's a line in the show where uh, there's an episode we did called Vampire Creek, which was about, for people who don't know Stand Against Evil, it's a TV show I created. It's on IFC, and it's basically, uh, what if my dad was Buffy the Vampire Slayer? What if my father, the sort of curmudgeonly old Irish guy, uh, had to fight demons? Yeah. And it's very funny. I like to think and scary. And um, 
he they're watching there was an episode called uh, Vampire Creek that was uh, I, I wanted to do a vampire show but vampires don't exist in our show's mythology so what we did was we had them all sucked into a vampire soap opera okay. like Vampire Diaries okay. they, all, the, all the female characters in the show love the show Vampire Creek which is basically Vampire Diaries okay. and they get sucked into the show and so uh, that way we got to do a vampire show and they're watching it, and Stan, the lead character played by John McGinley from Scrubs, walks in and goes, what are you watching, the goddamn asshole show? <laughs> which is, and I tweeted, which yes, is true. Yes, I like, saw this. Yeah, that's what my dad said. My brothers and I were watching Devo on SNL when, in 78 when they were playing Satisfaction. And... He came in at, you know, whatever, midnight, 1230. He was like, what are you watching, the goddamn asshole show? And I tell that story. And people went crazy for Yeah, I saw that, yes. And by the way, speaking of, like, people you can't believe you're friends with. Oh. I'm friends with Lorraine Newman. Yeah. Like, friends, friends. Like, what? not like we're like, hey, what's up? What are you doing? Do you want to go to lunch? Like, friends. Yeah. I, I can't wrap my head around it. Isn't that so cool? Yeah. Yeah, it's to me. It's like, and she's like, "Hey, can Mark Mothersbaugh come to this thing we're doing?" Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. but that is, is the ultimate example of uh, your father being Stan. Yeah. Right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. 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 Every yeah, a lot of Stan sayings are my dad. Don't yeah. crap an apple. Something my dad said. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't crap an apple. I'll be there in a minute. Um, yeah, a lot of Stan's biggest uh, uh, bits were my dad's. <laughs> what did you so, still around? Eighty-eight years old, still going. That's great. That is fantastic. What did yeah. what did you watch? What did you do Halloween night? That was the premiere this oh, year. Uh, yeah. I, so what did you do? I uh, I tweeted everything early. I tweeted it like the day before, and oh really? Yeah, I gave it to somebody to tweet out at the time, and then I took my kids trick or treat. Oh, okay. and I was like, and I was like, this is non-negotiable. I'm going trick or treating. Okay, figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> I figured. Yeah. I knew that was important to you. So. Yeah, it is yeah. important to me. Okay, yeah, yeah. and. The, Again, people you don't, people you can't believe you know, you know, I'm really lucky. And um, we went to Rick Baker's house. Now, for people who don't know Rick Baker, he's like the preeminent monster makeup artist in the country. He's he's since retired, but he did like everything. Oh, yeah. American World of London. Yeah. And every, I mean, everything. The thriller video. The thriller video, uh, the, all the Nutty Professor movies. Like he's, when it comes to practical makeup, like he's the guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he loves this stuff. And what he does at his house on Halloween is just gorgeous. It's like the Haunted Mansion. And so we went and it was like, well, we'll go to this neighborhood because Rick Baker lives here. And I know Rick a little bit. From just being in the being in that world, sure. So Rick had made himself up like the n- Nazi werewolf from an American Werewolf in London. He made the mask, and, and you know, and and they that was the theme of his house that night. And his daughter was, both of his daughters were in makeup. It was just great. And it was wow. a long, it was a long line to go. So I'm in line to get up to the get some candy. My nine year old's like, you get it. I'm scared. So I go, okay. So I get up, and, and Rick looks at me in the werewolf mask, and he's like, oh, hey, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> Did I do it now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. He gave me an extra mound. Yeah, no, that was just the, gra- that was the, that was the greatest. That Rick Baker the- gives full-size candy bars? No full bars, man, this year. No full bars. No full bars. It's all right. It's not, it's not good for kids. <laughs> okay. 
yeah. Uh, yeah, but it was really, it was just like, yeah, I really, there are a couple things where I'm like, yeah, holy crap. You know, like, I'm, I, you know, Paul Rubens and I, our birthdays are two days apart. And, uh, like, we trade birthday messages. And, as, yeah, no, it's Do crazy. you have a good Paul Rubin story? Like, of I know Paul. Time I mean, with he's, he's one of the, yeah, no, I know Paul. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and that's, he's the, probably the preeminent, holy crap, I'm friends with Paul Rubens. I, I mean, I I almost get chills. Yeah, no, like, I'm crazy. so jealous. It's, yeah, I, it's I, I, no, it's crazy. The memories I have of seeing Pee Wee's Big Adventure as a as a kid. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 it's. I connected yeah. so much. Sure, to, to and his. he's in. You will be you will be edified to know he's the l- loveliest guy on the planet. Oh. And um, no, we took my wife. I, I think my wife was his agent at a certain point, or was like on his team. And he, I think he knew a little bit about me from comedy, a little bit, like was aware of me. And and we went to a function and together, and that's how we met. And, and then the we went to my, my wife and I uh, lived in. She still lives there, and and Roddy McDowell's old house. Which was a very famous Hollywood home. Everybody went there. Uh, you know, everybody in the business had dinner at Roddy McDowell's house. He was the, everybody's friend. And when he passed, uh, Dominic Dunn wrote a piece in Vanity Fair about this house and how, like, you know, every you know, you'd go to dinner and he would mix and match people, and it would be like, you know, Cary Grant, this is Lauren Hughes from the Love Boat, but you both play backgammon. <laughs> you know, like he would he would do that stuff. You know, wow. and, and Ileana Douglas told me all these amazing stories about having dinner at Roddy McDowell's house. So like, it's a famous house, and and Paul Rubens was very close with Roddy, oh. and the bathroom, the powder room in the front of the house was famous. Because he had all this amazing stuff on the walls. Uh, he had uh, just photos of like Harrison Ford and Betty Davis in the kitchen chatting. Yeah. You know, just like crazy stuff. Yeah. And when Roddy passed, Paul says so like, you have to save the powder room. And they went in and basically photographed it, took it apart, left the shell and reassembled it in the Hollywood History Museum in the Max Factor building at Hollywood. Wow. So when we bought the house, we had to go to the <clears throat> Max Factor Museum and photograph the powder room so we could get the tile right and redo it. That's amazing. Yeah, and so we and then and so that's how we sort of connected to Paul. Like okay. oh, where we live in Roddy's house where we're redoing the powder room. And then Roddy would have these uh, benefits for the motion picture television fund which uh, the retired actor's home okay. his sister lived and he was a big contributor to that and uh, and we thought well we'll continue that we'll have we'll, we'll, we, we'll still have dinners at Roddy McDowell's house Roddy won't be there but we'll host them so and so we got in with Paul that way oh okay, okay. This, we're gonna get into we're gonna get into this benefit this was right at the time of the Pee Wee's Playhouse Live when he was when he did it before he took it to New York. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was doing it at the Nokia Theater in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. So Sue and I, my ex-wife, we took our daughters, who were then like seven and nine, to see it. Afterwards, you go backstage, meet Paul, say hello. They sit in Cherry. The puppeteer is still in Cherry. Oh, no! Yeah, they never entered their mind that it was weird that they sat in a chair and the chair hugged them. Hugged like, them. Was like, yeah, whatever. What? Yeah, no, it was crazy. And then, so... They go, they meet Pee Wee, they sit in Cherry, everything's fine, we leave. A week later, we have this benefit at our house. My, t- my daughter's coming downstairs, they're kids. Door opens, it's Pee Wee Herman. 
And my daughter just goes, hey, Pee-wee, come upstairs. Let me show you my room. <laughs> Let me show you my fun house. Yeah. Or playhouse. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. It was, wow. It was crazy. Wow. Wow. It was wow. crazy. Yeah. yeah it's, it was just great. Yeah. And then we went to see them at the Groundlings in this other show. And... Um, we were and he was there. He was performing in this other show called Beverly Win Beverly Winwoods. It's it, it's a it's a really funny show. Kevin Nealon's wife is uh, the she plays Beverly Winwood. She's a person, but that's how I know her. Is Kevin <laughs> sure and uh, it's an an acting classes audition night for talent scouts. <laughs> it's, oh wow! It's, and that's and it's just like it's bad. It's bad actors doing scenes from like Streetcar Named Desire and stuff like that. <laughs> it's really funny. And Paul was in this particular one. Oh wow! And so we're leaving. We go see it's so funny, and we da da da. And then we're leaving as we're walking away. My wife and I are walking down the Melrose to our car, and we just hear "Bye Sue, Bye Dana," and we looked. It was Paul, and we're just like, "Holy shit!" Did that just happen? Yeah. And my wife goes, I know, it's insane. It's so insane. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's like my Barbara, my girlfriend, was like, I'm, you know, I'm going to go see Frank Conniff and Trace Ballou today. And she's like, please tell them to say hello to the 16-year-old me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, would, I would blow my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Absolutely completely. I, so last night, I've been really, I'll admit, uh, I've been really busy in the last month, or mm-hmm. last several weeks since the premiere yeah. so i haven't had a chance to watch any of the episodes no, except for one at least you know it the show that i watched last night no they're all on my dvr okay i got them all saved i know there's two still to come right yeah yeah see yeah. uh but last night i watched uh larva my life oh yeah because it was getting so well, that's barbara and vera that uh, and right. that's yeah, yeah. what just connected in my head yeah, 10 yeah, minutes yeah, yeah. ago dana so that's yeah. your girlfriend <laughs> that's one of them yeah <laughs> <laughs> one of them is my girlfriend yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, they're brilliant, and they're 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 brilliant. And um, uh, I first met them. I mean, I knew Vera. Vera, they were always around. You know, Vera dated Blaine, and we were always you know doing shows and like, oh, it's Barbara and Vera. And then they did. Uh, they they wrestled. They were the Pubel twins, and we used to. Well, they still do these shows, Lucha Vavum, in L.A. We do them at the Mayan Theater, and it's um, masked Mexican wrestling, real Lucha Libre wrestling. The they, wrestlers and they're doing fly it. Up. And they and and then burlesque. It's like a wrestling match and then a burlesque routine and a wrestling match and a burlesque routine. And Blaine and I and um, Tom Kenny and Jeff Davis we rotate doing the play by play, and it's funny play by play. Is really right. yeah. We do. We don't talk to the burlesque but we talk during the wrestling and it's a giant crazy show it's like Pee Wee's Playhouse it's just this big crazy show we have little people in chicken suits and, and it's great it's, it's just amazing we do it three four times a year and, and Barbara and Vera wrestled for a long time they you know they had regular jobs they but they uh, they're in the business they're editors and you know they have real, real okay. jobs. They were responsible adults, and they also wrestled and trained and really wrestled. And so I, I always knew them. You know, I always knew Barbara and Vera. I was like, hey, Barbara, hey, was, you know, they were in my in my gang. Yeah. And um, uh, uh, and so w- uh, we always knew them. And then when you know we ended up together uh, later in life through situations, uh, when I was writing Larva My Life. I thought, like, oh, my God, I, we, you guys can do the Mothra Twins. This is amazing. Okay. This is perfect. But then I was like, can you come, like, you got to come to Atlanta for three days. You, you all have children. Barbara has children. Vera has children. Like, you know, stuff has to move around. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they did it. And what, what they did, what was amazing was they're so good. They, Barbara came up with the idea of, like, we'll learn our dialogue wrong. 
And so then we'll loop it and it won't match. Okay. I that was, was going to ask you, what was that? That was their idea. So it looked like a Mothra movie. It looked yes. like a Godzilla movie. Yeah. That was them. That was not me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great episode. David Koechner, Eddie Pepitone, the Pubell twins. It's a great episode. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a really funny one. Good job getting Eddie Pepitone in there. Yeah, I was afraid I was going to kill Eddie because it was literally 110 degrees that day. <laughs> and he's in a gorilla suit. He's in a gorilla suit. Yeah, the fight was a stuntman. The fight was our stuntman, Bob Fisher. I but, figured. Yeah. but And we had a cooling tent. Like, it was refrigerated the entire day. But, yeah, he was so brilliant. He was so brilliant. And I was like, literally, I wrote it for Eddie, that whole thing. What am I doing? This isn't the way I want to live my life. I mean, that's all Eddie. If oh, Eddie, it's, it's his act, yeah, back, Eddie, practically. Yeah. yeah if, if Eddie didn't do it, I would have had to have rewritten the part. Yeah, yeah. It would have been plagiarism. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I'm very I'm very – and I think the show, for people that watch the show, I think the show really hit its stride this season. Uh, Rob Cohen, who was my old writing partner from the Ben Stiller show. Yeah. And we did a show on MTV in the 90s called Super Adventure Team, and we're writing a movie together now. He's my oh. very frequent collaborator. Um uh, and uh, just a really good buddy. He directed the season, and so it was just like he. But with Rob there, we were able to sort of push through a, a, a membrane, and uh, and the, I think the show really found its footing this year, and, and really kind of uh, fulfilled its promise. Can I? Can I ask? The this, third this, season of Stand Against Evil is like the second season of Star Trek. <laughs> okay, all right. Oh well, yeah, we did gelled. It gelled. Sure, sure. Can I ask? Does the uh, does the budget get bigger as the seasons go on? <laughs> Not really. Not really. <laughs> Not really. Not we really? get cleverer in cleverer, terms of sure. how to make it stretch. But okay. it's still it's still like a student film. It's like so crazy. Like I, I'll, like I'll give you an example. Like we couldn't fly in four guest stars for an episode. Like, you know, I could get Dave and 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 we got Eddie because we borrowed money from another show. Oh, but Barbara and Vera, like uh, I paid that is like there's no the production wasn't going to pay for that. I see. Yeah. It's just like interesting. Yeah. No, yeah. It was a lot. It, it's just like you can do it. And, and IFC has a great model, which is we'll give you no money and we won't torture you with notes. Oh. You know, we'll let you do what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they give some notes, but they're smart and they're small. And uh, and they do. They, they they keep their promise. You know, that's why the show is like, great. And if they give a note, I think it happened once. Okay. Where they're like, oh, we think of this. And I said, oh, well, the reason I'm doing that is because of this. And they're like, okay, your show. Like, they're not shitty about it at all. Yeah. They're great. I, it's one of the best professional, like, uh, relationships I've had. They're oh, that's great. Super great. Yeah. I hope it gets... I hope we get to do another season. Last time you found out about the next one, what, December, November? Yeah, I'm, I'm still on track. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And right now there's a, you know, I'm also wondering if there's going to be an IFC next year because there's this giant upheaval. What? In, well, there, these, the, there's uh, this upheaval in, the, you know, all the, all these AMC, Time Warner, you know, all the, like, you know, Time Warner was, you know, Time Warner was bought by AT&T. And so... What you have is AT&T wants to do – everybody wants to do Netflix. So AT&T is going to have a streaming service. So like t- Warner Brothers has all these digital platforms, Warner's, Warner Digital. Uh, DC Universe is a, uh, is, a, is, a, is a platform that you buy, a streaming okay. platform. Okay. And they do their own. Greg Nicotero, who does The Walking Dead, is doing Creepshow as a television show for, sh- for Shudder, which is – Warner 
digital horror platform that you subscribe to. Oh, boy. Okay. And that's the future. That's in five years. That's all it is. It's like you, you know, and all these networks like TNT and TBS that buy programming, you know, that would, there's like, no, don't sell it to them anymore. We'll just put it on our own platform. So if you don't produce your own content, you're showing two and a half man reruns. And that (laughs) only will get you so far. Um, Everybody wants to be it's all I mean it's good for me in the sense that there's content providers are but everybody wants to you know as, as they own the pipes like AT&T owns the pipe into your home so they're going to have their own platform of and course. AMC is doing the same AMC owns all of these it, AMC owns IFC we BBC America um, all the you know and they're trying to figure out what do we do with all of these mini networks yeah and um so, so five it's, years it's, from everything's now, everything's up in the air right now. How many subscriptions are we all going to have in the future? As many as you want to watch crap. Yeah, yeah. It's all. It's a bunch of mini subscriptions. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Probably and too. and you know your TV doesn't. But, but as you said, look at your kids. Your kids don't sit down and watch right. television. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's, so it's really it's really uh, it, it's it's a different model. It. It works for you know as a, as a writer in my other career right now, I'm uh, looking at uh, I'm either going to develop a show for Shutter, uh, or I'm going to be uh, developing uh, a show for Warner Digital, or I'm going to do a show on IFC. You know, this it's all of these. You know, I wrote a movie last year that might get produced, and it's a it's it's a co-production of MGM and Netflix. Okay. Um, you know, wow. it's, uh, you know, it'll be released theatrically here. It'll be released on network Netflix in the UK. Um, it, it's all uh, it, it's it's a it's exciting because it's the the. You know, the the television business is getting demolished by digital in the same way that the music business did, you know. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it'll have to reformat uh, to survive. Yeah. And that's that's a, a trick, and, and that's a trick that people don't – Amer- that, that doesn't lend itself to that angry, tough, white guy attitude is that evolution does not favor the strong. It favors that which is the most adaptable to change. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. to, nothing was stronger than a T Rex, and they died. That's right. Cockroach is still. That's right. Around. I haven't seen one yet. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, <laughs> I looked at the time, and we've been doing this an hour, so we should put a bow there on you it. Go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, a, strike the set and call a wrap. <laughs> exactly. Uh, in the past, you've had really cool posters for sale. I have them here. Shows you do have posters. Have them here. Yep. Po- and because it's Minneapolis, I also have my uh, first three albums here because Stand Up Records, uh, Dan Schlizzle, uh uh, are here in Minneapolis, so yeah. he just brings over a buck. So we're selling LPs of uh, Funhouse. Let me put my thoughts in you, and I know it's wrong. Oh, I'm cool! I'm trying to get Mr. Funny Man as a, as an LP. Um, How about copies of the Planet of the Apes book? Do you travel with those? Uh, on I don't. That's heavy. That's just literally heavy. <laughs> you, but if you own one. And you bring it here. You will sign I it. I will sign it. Yeah, all with, right. With pleasure. Sure. For free. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anything else we should be saying? Just- uh, I'm, I'm at the Comedy Gallery this weekend. Come on out if there's any tickets available. I don't know. I don't know. 612 Call Acme and find out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Call. I can't do everything. <laughs> Thank you, Dana. See you later.